Hey, JP. Hey, Steve. What a week. What a week. I think that's how we always open it. Yeah, what a week. And then we'd probably... I don't think we usually talk about anything about our week. But. Mm-hmm. No, we really don't. But yeah. I, I think that's probably okay at this point. Yeah, it's fine. Nobody cares. Yeah, so this is Point by Point. It's a weekly podcast where we consider life's questions. Something, something, something. And spoil a movie. And we are your hosts. JP Camara And Steve Carroll. And this is Point by Point. A <laughs> weekly conversation between <laughs> Steve Carroll and... so good. JP Camara But I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to say your name. I know. You can't. You know, the one time, actually, so I was just listening back to episode, I think it was 11, um, and we actually nailed it. Nailed it. And the way that, the way that we did it was, I, I said, but, uh, we could conversation between me, Steve Carroll. And me, JP Kamara. And, and that, that was like the intro, and that was yeah. good. I, I don't know. I like saying your name first in the list. I think it like I think it works out better because like the second name people remember and it sticks with them. Yeah, so you want to make sure my name just gets right just out of the way. Get Everybody it out of the way. It. Let just Steve Carroll just trash. boom, 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 right. boom. Yep, Steve 99 things on Twitter. your name yep. over and over and over again throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I suddenly like Steve to drop that in, and, which is why we do the intro so much. Yeah, Steve Carell and JP Camera. <laughs> Taking photos and making jokes. That's right. All the jokes. Hey, you know what I realized today? I was cooking dinner. and um, Nice. So I, we've been eating gluten-free stuff a lot recently. Gluten-free waffles, gluten-free pancakes, gluten-free cookies, gluten-free, gluten-free ice, free cream, ice cream, et cetera. Yeah. All the healthy. <laughs> we had gluten-free apple crips yep, over the weekend. We did. And uh, a lot of gluten-free stuff is pretty good, right? Like if it's got sugar in it, if it's sweet, if it's like yeah, you hardly meant notice. to be a dessert and for some reason you like l- just leave out like wheat flour, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, however, there's like certain things that are, are like predicated around having gluten that they almost like need gluten to be good. Well, like, for I mean, example, you also need it for like elasticity and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so like yeah. bread is one of those things. Right. But I came upon a discovery tonight, and I've been thinking this ever since I started eating like gluten-free breads and stuff, is most of the time they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily taste bad. It's just when I eat them, they taste dry and uncooked. Like mm. they need like a little bit extra time in the oven. Mm. And so I had gluten-free. I don't think they taste dry when I've done it. Usually they're kind of like... Spongy. They feel under. They're spongy. Yeah, they, they feel under. Taste underdone. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's weird. But so what I decided to do today during is actually like cook the hamburger buns, mm. the gluten free hamburger buns for extra time. Yeah. Did you make them? No, I I, oh. I, I bought <laughs> like, them. Geez. Yeah, yeah. I bought, I bought making them hamburger buns yours. now. No. <laughs> Did you eat them geez. in hamburgers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I made like uh, steak tonight and i wanted like a steak sandwich with yeah. horseradish sauce and um so i i cooked the hamburger buns for like two two and a half minutes mm. and i've been around a stove on a skillet like i put them on the cast iron and then another cast iron on top to sort of like smush them into it yeah and man they were good and they weren't like you you could definitely tell the difference between those and bread mm. but they were not terrible in the way that most gluten-free things are terrible they actually tasted like they Yo. were cooked <laughs> you started off being like hey Sorry. you know what's great gluten-free things <laughs> anyways they t- <laughs> also they taste terrible here's how you make them taste good just burn the shit out of them no no, no, <laughs> Get no. Them you, out of you here. actually you have to cook them appropriately so okay. like the apple crips your wife made or the gluten-free pancakes and waffles that i do the reason yeah. why they actually taste good is because they're done cooking 
I think most of the gluten-free crap that we buy, like that's pre-made, like the tortillas that I got, yeah, they're just they're terrible. They but fall apart when you're trying stove. to put stuff in them. I bet if I put them on the stove for like a good minute and a half to two minutes, a little bit of olive oil in a pan, put those on the on the pan. Yeah, then you slip them, them into up. the trash, and then you put some real tortillas on there, <laughs> yeah. and you use those. Yeah, I grab my tortilla press, a <laughs> little bit of corn masa, and mm. just do that up. It'd be great. Masa. But... Yeah, you probably. Well, maybe not for those. I don't know. They're so thin already. Like you'd cook them, and they'd just be like, oh. I don't know. I I do. I'm I'm gonna do an experiment before next time, and we'll see if they're actually better. I think they will be. Do you eat a lot of gluten free stuff? No, I just started doing it recently. So like after I do the, so we went on this whole thirty recently, yeah. which we've talked about before. But coming off of it can sometimes be a bit of a train wreck for me because like. <laughs> All this food that I haven't eaten for so long, I'm now like reintroducing back into my diet, and mm. and sometimes I can go on a little bit of a binge. What? <laughs> Which should come as a surprise to it's you? To me, I uh, don't do that. <laughs> no, you're great. But uh, so one of the things that I try to do is like rein it in a little bit mm. to, to say, okay, I'm I'm not going to eat just meat and vegetables for the rest of my life. Like I need to live a little bit and have some fun. Sure. But I I can't go crazy. So, like, the way for me to sort of, like, have a nice halfway point is, like, every now and again indulging in, like, a a gluten-free substitute for a thing that I enjoy eating. So, like, if I like burritos, for Mm. example, I can make a burrito and a gluten-free tortilla. And it's, Mm. like, it's almost as good as the real thing. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the the bad part of it, the part that makes me sad inside. (laughs) I'm really into that halo top yeah well what about it i say i'm really into it but i've had it twice and i enjoyed it the second time (laughs) when when did you have it for the first time i don't know like six months ago okay so it wasn't like you had it twice you had it like saturday and then again on sunday oh no no i did (laughs) (laughs) and no no i didn't have any today but yeah saturday and sunday had a lot of it um the first time i had it i hated it yeah i remember you saying that i think it tastes pretty good yeah the vanilla bean was good it's okay i mean it's not it's not ice cream. And I think like it's that was... Close. Mm. <laughs> I think it's pretty close. I don't know. Maybe I'm, my taste buds are just a little broken because I'm just like, oh, I'm eating a thing and it doesn't make me feel as bad. That's probably true. Uh, but I think it's pretty close. I So... I mean, it's like 240 calories the in the whole container. The fake sugar, fake sugar stuff really used to bug me. Now I can I can tolerate certain fake sugars when I wasn't able to before. Well, there's also, I mean, there's different levels of fake sugar, right? Yeah. Like the xylitols and erythritols and stuff like that taste a little more normal than, you know, yeah. Splenda or whatever. Oh, man. I can't, I still cannot do Splenda or any, yeah, any so of gross. like the diet soda sweeteners. Yeah. 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 They're, they're rough. But uh, anyway, into the real topic this week, what did you have for us? Oh, don't you worry. Forget I got about a... me. <laughs> don't you. Uh, forget about the topic that i came up with yeah. it's coming up get ready for it are you ready Hercules. are you ready Hercules. yes i'm ready Let's okay well childhood we already talked about that we, were talking, we, we, we talked about childhood i think we got into like video games and stuff no you're right um hmm. my topic is soul searching i don't think that's your topic <laughs> but you wrote it down didn't you i wrote it down <laughs> 
<laughs> Literally oh, a few minutes before we started, uh, your wife mentioned someone else mentioning they were doing some soul searching. And I was like, have I done any soul searching? And then I remembered I don't have a soul. But I was like, maybe Steve has a soul and maybe he's done it. Boy, that's a good question. You know, I have. I have done some soul searching. Good. Once in my life. So, uh, anyway, yeah, my, uh, let's see, what what happened here? Uh, so, have you ever read a book by Marie Kondo? Me? Called, yeah, you. Uh, called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up? Nope. Really? I've heard of it. Huh. Uh, what, what is it about? Well, let me take you <laughs> on an adventure. <laughs> so, Marie Kondo. Mm-hmm. You'd think she owns condos. She owns real estate, but she doesn't own any condos. She cleans them. She's got a cleaning service. It's called Marie's Cleaning Town. Okay. And the thing they do best is tidying up. And it's life-changing. All right. Yep. Well, that's that's a good synopsis. We'll go with that. Yep. Uh, basic premise of the oh, book. Oh, man. <laughs> but the basic premise of the book is that people more or less, in general, don't know how to tidy up. Like... The fact is they're always tidying because they've never actually gone through the process of really tidying things up in the first place. Um, And her, basically, like, her approach to this is that you need to go through everything that you own. Oh, like literal tidying up. This isn't like an emotional or like... Well, so... mm. All right, I won't jump I don't want to give, like, too many spoilers of the book, but uh, it's a New York Times bestseller. If you haven't read it, you... Maybe should. It's pretty good. Mm. Uh, the audiobook, it's very short. You could probably get an audiobook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the whole premise of the book is you go through everything that you own, piece by piece, point by point, mm-hmm. and you ask yourself the question of, does this bring me joy? And if you're holding it in your hands and you're looking at it and, and you, you ask yourself, you know, does this bring me joy? And if mm-hmm. it doesn't spark joy in you, you get rid of it. But if it does, you keep it. Hmm. Um, so she's got this whole system for like the way, like the things to start with first and then work your way through basically everything in your house. Um, and, uh, by the end of it, you'll have gotten rid of a ton of stuff, but also, you know, spoiler alert, you (laughs) will have emotionally processed through a lot of your baggage and a lot of the the sort of the subtle side effects that our things have on us and, and can weigh us down with. Huh? Yeah. Kind of a cool idea. It's a very feel, cool idea. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of nuances to it. Cause the first thing that comes to mind is like, there's things that I need that are not going to spark an emotional response to me, like kitchenware. <laughs> like, well, so like stuff like that. So she talks about, um, Oh, this mixing bowl. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that's the thing is like, a lot of people have more mixing bowls than they actually need and even use, mm. right? So, like, Not for, me. for some people, like, holding on to certain mixing bowls is about utility. And mm. it's like, yeah, I mean, these these don't necessarily spark joy, but it's, like, I use them regularly, and they're worth owning, right? Yeah. Um, whereas, like, for other things, it's like, why on earth do I have six cheese graters? This is actually kind of crazy. I yeah, really but, like this one. It remind you know, like, it reminds mm. me. My grandmother gave it to me, and it reminds me of her, you sure. know? It's like, why do I have the other five? Right. That sort of stuff. And, and a lot of, a lot of things like we own a good amount of like the amount of socks and t-shirts and like random stuff, like jeans from college that I was holding on to. It's like, I still have some of those probably. Yeah. Um, 
I have a lot of pairs of socks I don't wear. Actually, man, I gotta use this book. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool book. Um, the thing was, so at the end of it, I threw the book away because it didn't bring me joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to the last chapter, she's like, "You've come to that crucial moment." Well, actually, she's got a section I, in the book that's like, say, "Hey, yeah, if like, this book isn't doing it for you, get rid of it." Wow. Yeah. She's like, I already got your money. <laughs> Whatever. What do I care? What are you going to sell it back to my <laughs> publisher? <laughs> Come on. New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Now I'm trying to like, there's a, uh, you, you know, that there's like a movement towards uh, minimalism. There was that. I mean, it's maybe it was even inspired by that book or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, that's been a big thing in the last few years. People have talk to me about it and been like oh yeah i'm doing the minimalist thing like you know i have you have to put everything out and like you choose like over 30 day period you get rid of stuff i don't remember Mm. exactly but it's a similar kind of idea uh and i feel like then i saw a bunch of backlash at it which was like it's sort of a privileged position to be in to be able to say like i need to be more minimalist and get rid of Mm -hmm. some of my things you know and uh i don't know it's just kind of an interesting interesting perspective that you don't think about like oh i have the like capability to be able to get rid of things because i have yeah. too much totally. i mean but, and it doesn't mean there's no value in it but. and and i think regardless of like your level of affluence or mm. privilege i think everyone holds on to things that they don't need like yeah. at a certain point like we, we're all carrying around baggage yeah um and i i think like one of the the way that she's kind of approaching it and and the, the thing that was helpful for me about going through that process was that in getting rid of this physical stuff, I'm processing through my emotional stuff. Mm. So yeah, like, that's a really cool. Way and she even it. talks about it to where like two or three days into this process, she's like, you may actually get physically sick and that's totally normal. Like, because mm. you're, you're releasing a lot of, <laughs> you're Toxins. processing through a lot of stuff. You're well, I mean, part of it too is like, I mean, like I was going through a dusty basement for a day. Yeah. And like that wasn't Did you get rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh Yeah. I got, I think, I mean, I got rid of like two thirds of my stuff. Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's stuff that, you know, stuff and stuff and stuff. I have a lot of stuff. Yeah. In my um, basement that I don't. But yeah, I read that of. book. Uh, and I read another book called by Kenya Harris called white at the time. Um, and those two books, I mean, very much revol- revolving around like Buddhist thought. Um, and I guess maybe both. I'm not sure if Kenya is Japanese, but Marie Kondo definitely is. But uh, Kenya's book was about the Japanese concept of white, mm. of both being empty, of basically being empty, mm. but that white doesn't just mean empty and it isn't just space to be filled, but it's like an openness or a willingness. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's like a attitude or disposition to have about the world. Yeah. Um, so it's um, like with the... the uh, I forget what they're called, but those like you've been to Japan, you know, uh, the, when you're walking to the temple, those like archways that you go under. Oh yeah. The, uh, oh shoot. What are, what are those called? Uh, oh no. Like even the empty space in those yeah. is there for a purpose and a point. And, and he talks through Tory like, gates. Oh, that might be it. <sighs> I think that might be it, but I could be wrong. All right. But like basically the, the whole, thought is they're empty until something is there Mm. and then they're 
their essence is changed by the presence of something else. Mm. He, he goes through it's why like, like the Japanese flag is such a good graphic representation, like is almost like the perfect flag mm. in a way because it's white with this circle, the red circle inside it. And it, it's like, it's yeah, I, I, I don't even, I, I can't go into as much depth. <laughs> mm. It's a very short book, but also I read it like two and a half years ago. So I'm, Man, you read way more like heady books than I do. I'm always like, here's the practicality of this book I read and mindset and getting well, goals done. And yours are like, listen, you're going to envelop the space and white and tidy. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like this, this book was more of an abstraction on say self-help, mm. right? Like it, it sure. wasn't, it's not a book about personal improvement and development. Like it's not, it's not a book that's like meant to like make you better right but it's it's a book that's meant to enrich you yeah, it's meant to make you think yeah and I, I think the like the topic is something that in learning about especially you know in, in a western culture of like more 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 excess 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 and mm-hmm. the inability to create margin or actually create some space in our lives to deal with things to process through things to actually have like a moment with um like our lack of ability to do that sometimes I like to look toward other cultures and sure. figure out like, okay, how did they do it in a way that I could potentially adapt and, and use to slow down a little bit. Mm. Um, cause man, this, this culture does not cut it. No, it definitely. And I mean, at least at the very least you can lean on some essence of those cultures. Cause obviously there's aspects of Japan that are just as like materialistic and insane. Mm. And I mean, insane in like the, like tons of stuff going on kind of sense. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, there's I mean, a ton come of, on. I've seen lost in translation. I know. I know. Lost in Trans. <laughs> I've actually never seen lost in translation, but oh, it's pretty good. But yeah, I heard it's good. Yeah, go on. Uh, no, no. I mean, but yeah, you think of a city like Tokyo, but then I guess you think of a city like Kyoto too. It's a lot more expansive and old school mindset and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah. White. So, so I read both those books around the same time. Those um, are the last books you read. <laughs> right. Yeah, it may as well have been. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that, I think like that was in a part of my life where I wasn't necessarily doing some soul searching, but I was doing some like reorienting. It mm-hmm. was, um, I, I, yeah, I had taken some time off work and was trying to basically have some time to sit, meditate and figure things out a little bit or just reorient. Yeah. And, uh, so I read those two books and then, you know, went through that process of like cleaning out my house more or less like cleaning house. And, uh, like in that time, like three, like major things happened. One, one was I gave away like almost all my stuff. Mm. And then the second thing was I decided and was finally ready to actually move out of the place that I was living in. Actually four things happened. Um, so that, that prompted me. So I'd been like looking for a house for like the past like year and a half before mm-hmm. that. And you know, it was one of those things like, Oh, nothing's coming along. that's been like what I want or what I need. Right. And it was like the second that I finally like, freed uh, myself of that and was ready to move on. I, f- you know, I found where I wanted to be. Um, I changed jobs within that period as well and moved on from the, the company that I was with yeah. that I hadn't been ready to let go of yet. Sure. And I also, uh, proposed to my, my now wife during that same, like, dang man, legitimately like the same, like month and a half window. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was in a new house, in a new job and 
uh, newly engaged within like two weeks wow. um, of, of each other. Yeah. So it was just like, not whirlwind, but sort well, of. A little bit of whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. Pretty life-changing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, you know, that, that process of like going through all my stuff took like a couple of weeks in of itself, um, a few months before that. But mm. it, it, I think it's interesting, like once, once all that happened and once that sort of like, I don't know, <clears throat> call it soul searching, but like once that event was final, right. The other stuff just sort of like swept in and moved over. Yeah. I mean, you, you basically made space in your life for those things to come in and away. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It's like emotional and physical and <laughs> mental space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is interesting how that kind of stuff happens. And people talk about that all the time. Like, you know, especially like when you stop trying and something happens, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're trying too hard and too focused on something, maybe it's almost like you're just not letting your like subconscious handle it enough. Like you're just too focused on it. And so, uh, you actually miss more by doing that and you lose more opportunity for letting things just come to you when you're too focused on something, but soul searching. That's good. You like really nailed it. Hey, nailed that thing that I just like tossed at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you, have you had experiences in your life that, it, so, cause I know you, you read a lot. You like go through a lot. Yeah. Stuff. Go through a lot. Yeah. You've been through a lot. I've been through. Yeah. Really kind of a, oof. Your physical maladies. <laughs> actually, yeah, I have fallen out of trees. <laughs> well, I mean, I have actually gone. I mean, <laughs> well, there was that. I did fall out of a tree, and I did break both my arms, and I did get casts in all different colors. And then right at the end, the one color I wanted was Pink. no, it's it like a army uh, camouflage. Ooh, and you right had to before get them taken off. I had to get them taken off, and I was like, just break them again. I need this. You don't know how bad I need this. I got every color before that point. I did, yeah, pink, blue, orange, purple. Did you do the same color on both arms or different colors each time? Oh, come on. I'm not an animal. I did the same color. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you could have diversified and, and gotten through all, all the colors. I did. I got through most of them. Well, you missed a And couple. then two weeks. Yeah. Two, they were like, hey, let's get these things off. And I'm like, when is that camouflage coming? Yeah. And... Um, and I jumped out of a tree again. <laughs> and I was like, this is for the camouflage. Ah! Uh, no, you know, you're so good at like thinking things through and being like, mm, yeah, you know what? I do have a soul searching story. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess, um, well, that, I, I had some, that story is easier for me because it's like foundational to my adulthood. Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I found it. I mean, this one's a little personal, I guess. Well, we'll decide if I want to put this in or not Safe later. For the podcast. Yeah. Uh I mean I I used to have a lot of um well you mentioned physical maladies sort of jokingly, but um I used to have a lot of like back problems yeah. and uh tendonitis and all all these different things, like to to a debilitating point that I stopped doing a lot of things in my life. Um I mean a lot of like fun things like i was still forcing myself to do stuff i had to do like work even though like my wrists hurt a lot mm. um but i stopped playing games and you know i stopped playing music and i wait uh, games like video games yeah i totally stopped i mean that was actually one of that was like kind of the point probably where i stopped playing video games originally oh, man and then i just sort of never went back to them um i stopped doing physical activity i stopped like exercising i stopped skiing and everything um and uh yeah, I mean, <laughs> and uh, that's that's I guess sort of the point where I started 
maybe getting more into like personal development and that kind of stuff not even intentionally but partially by just finding um some works by doctors in certain fields about like the subconscious and uh how that plays a role in chronic pain and all those Mm. things but um and you were like you were young yeah i was like i mean it was only like it's probably like eight years ago yeah seven or eight years ago that it well i mean it, it started happening to me it started progressing about when i was like 18 or 19 hmm. and just got progressively work, worse until i was about 25 Jeez. when i was like really just stopped doing anything um it was just pretty much just walking that's what i did hmm. i could watch the tv and i could go i mean it's not like i was like in a wheelchair or something like i still like appeared to live a normal life and everything i just kept like slowly excluding things from my life um and yeah, I guess realizing that there's a mental aspect to a lot of things in your life. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that everybody's chronic pain comes from is uh, comes from subconscious or unconscious or whatever, um, and that there's things they can do to to fix it. I mean, there obviously are mm-hmm. real like physical maladies that you have to like go through physical things to get through. But um, was that part of your story though? No, it wasn't for me. It was entirely. It was pretty much entirely like physical like tons of things in my life did not help me that were physical like remedies you know physical therapy didn't help me uh chiropractors didn't help me i mean i could could just go on and on acupuncture you know i I started going like every direction i could and none of that stuff was long lasting um until i kind of reined in my mental state i guess you could say kind of just and it there's a lot more to it than that i guess and uh, I, I don't know how how to accurately elaborate on it, but that was a pivotal point for me where I started to be able to like kind of take, take my life back a little bit yeah, and be able to um, realize that I was capable of doing the things again that I was before and that the human body is like capable of recovering from a ton of stuff and like the uh, chronic pain industry and the chronic pain epidemic that we have in this country is like sort of nonsensical. If you take it from like a historical aspect of Mm. people being able to recover from things and yeah, it's not as good as your story. I don't know how to, (laughs) I don't know how to add this all together, but, um, anyways, (laughs) that's, that's my soul surging. (laughs) (laughs) The point is it has to be as good as your story. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your, your pain story isn't as good as (laughs) <laughs> my like my story of like happiness <laughs> um, <laughs> no like that's that's like that's real and uh, i i've known a few people in my life who who have had like who've struggled and dealt with pain issues like most of them like being in their like late 50s and 60s yeah it's a lot more common yeah and uh, <clears throat> like it, it is it is kind of an amazing thing like to I don't know, see someone turn mm. and, and be functioning and functional again. Like it's not a, it's not a small thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of people who there's a huge community of people who have had the same experience as me. Oh. Um, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's kind of a delicate topic because a lot of people feel like, um, it's dismissive Mm. to say that you can come back from something physically debilitating 
um, without like having to go through some kind of struggle or like I've had these years of pains and things like that. Like how could it just go away in a short period of time by doing like X that isn't like lifting weights or doing stretches or whatever, you know, um, it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's something ironically, it's something I don't easily talk to people about, but I'm just talking about here because, um, (laughs) Well, nobody, think, nobody listens. To this. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because like, it's it's sort of a thing you have to realize on your own a lot of times, especially if you've you have to like kind of go through the process before you're willing to believe it, which is unfortunate, I think, because I think there's a lot of people that could benefit from it. But um, the process just, of the process of like f- trying to deal with it in a lot of different ways and having none of it work. Yeah. Long term, you know, like I, you know, like, oh, I, I did acupuncture for a while and I felt great and then I felt crappy again. So I did this and I felt great and then I felt crappy again. And you just keep going through this, like, hmm. just, uh, just keep going through these same loops. Yeah. It's arduous. Yeah. And, and eventually you're just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like, what are my options? And that's when you're kind of more open to something that seems a little stranger, yeah. um, or a little less traditional and, uh, yeah, I actually, I, I originally found it because I literally was like, it was, I was, I had these, um, ice packs on my forearms because my, I started to, I started to develop, uh, like a lot of pain in my forearms, a lot of pain in my elbows. And I went to the doctor and I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like I already have all these other problems. I have slip discs, like I have all these things. And they were just like, yeah, it's probably just tendonitis. And it's just like, take some ibuprofen. It's like, uh, okay. Um, and so I had these ice packs and all this stuff. And I eventually just like Googled, like programmers rsi like what can i do i was like looking for ergonomic keyboards and all this stuff and i found this article from this guy um who like founded a couple startups and stuff like that and he was just like uh the mind body approach like this is what helped me and i read the article Mm -hmm. and like that just kind of sent me down this whole path of this stuff anyways let's move on (laughs) if you you want uh yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about and it's very serious so i mean so this is this is not necessarily prescriptive for somebody else, but this is something that was like that was relevant to you and and yeah. it, your story. Sure. And I I don't know. I mean, I think I would have a hard time arguing with someone about like their story and their interpretation of like what what has been effective for them. Yeah, there was a time where I wouldn't have talked about it to anybody because yeah. I would have felt like if they argued against me, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. This is crazy. And I would just kind of slip back into it. But at this point I'm like, it changed my life and made me capable of doing things again. I started working out. I started skiing and hiking and climbing and doing all this stuff. And I'm fine. You know, um, I'm able to live my life again. And so no one really is going to be able to talk me out of what it did for me anymore. And I'm willing to talk to people about it. Um, if they're open to it and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's my perspective and maybe it wouldn't work for a lot of people. Maybe it would work for them if they were open to it, but you know, anyways, this has been serious corner with JP Camara and he can't take serious emotions for too long without joking around. Anyways, have you heard the one about the turtle? You know, I have, uh, (laughs) So what were we talking about? We were talking about soul searching a little bit. Yeah. Um, boy, so much ancient wisdom. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> you can if you want. I'll just nah. agree with all of it. Nah, it's fine. Uh, do it. No, I don't. Hit me. I, I don't actually have any ancient wisdom this week. Sorry, <sighs> jerk. Well, you actually did a little bit of ancient wisdom just from a different culture. 
Uh, oh. You're talking about Buddhism. It's so weird. And you, you disagreed with it just a little bit. I don't think I disagreed with it. No, I know. You only disagree with one kind of ancient wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I disagreed with it in the sense that... It's a trap. It's... <laughs> All right, I'm not far. <laughs> yeah that's yeah right. okay um yeah i disagree in the sense that uh you know i think people will sometimes be like oh like all of the japanese are like this because they have a culture of that and it's like every culture is can have a background of certain things and the people and be all totally americans different. are hamburger hamburger bang bang right exactly yeah, yeah it's <laughs> to say that is uh it's too vague or something all oh, the words mm. but uh yeah, so I didn't disagree with that one. Yeah, I, I disagree with it a little bit. Yeah. Give me another one. No. Hit me. Uh-uh. All right. Not going to do it. Nah. 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 Oh, you had one. I, I did. It was about Buddha. Was it like some kind of joke or something? No. No. I, I Nah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm out of my depth when I'm talking about other other religions. Sure. The, the Jewish religion and tradition, I am deeply entrenched in okay um others not as much fair enough yeah um i don't know why well i do know why i yeah i yeah. think you specifically know why yeah i did some soul searching and i figured out why yeah it was a very short <laughs> period of we actually cut we we paused the podcast for 20 minutes and steve just sat in silence yeah and then we started again yeah it was really good yeah um so when i broke my arms yeah that was when i learned that i'm allergic to codeine <laughs> you know this country really has a problem with opioids that's true is codeine i have no idea oh fair enough codeine tylenol with codeine right you yeah should... yeah if you're allergic usually... to codeine what happens i hallucinate <laughs> is it like i mean i i guess crazy tripping or what's the uh... well i've never done any drug in my life that's i've never done drugs so like I would I would take them and things like I would imagine that uh spiders were crawling after me and like trying to <laughs> crawl all over my body and I ran around my house with my arms in full arm casts. Ah. Uh <laughs> just yeah, just straight up running around my house thinking that spiders were following me around. Um there was one time I was laying in bed I don't think it was a long period that I realized I was allergic to codeine, but um, I was laying in bed and I looked up the ceiling and like a droplet started to form and it formed into an arrow <laughs> fell next to my head. Um, those are the two that I that come to mind, but pretty quickly we were like, oh, you know what? He shouldn't have codeine. That's not good for him. So your, uh, your hallucinations were like, things are out to get me. Yeah, actually, huh? Wow, no, I think paranoid. About it. Yeah, paranoid delusions. Wow. Well, or hallucinations. Yeah, well, delusions is probably accurate. Probably. Yeah. I used to use, I also used to have this thing where I would, um, I would have fever dreams, but anyways. Mm. I hear, so the thing with fever dreams is I hear they get worse as you get older. Really? So I never used to have them, but like when I you get a fever now? nowadays, I, I get them, yeah. I used to have them all the time, and I never get them anymore. Thank God. Oh, my gosh. I can't yeah, imagine having like, a fever dream now. They're like 40s that they start coming again. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's you're right in that pocket then, huh? You're yep. in your 40s. Yep. <laughs> you start hallucinating in your sleep. I've never heard of this before. What are you talking yeah. about? No, this is real. We'll WebMD it. We'll put it in the show notes. All right. Yeah. Dear WebMD. Yeah. 
but I mean, I'm sure that that's, that's where like a lot of the, you know, prophecies come from. Gotta be. Yeah. Come on. They got it. It's gotta be. But then, you know, once it turned out to be true. True. (laughs) (laughs) Trying so hard not to disagree right now. That's good. Mm. Listen, (laughs) (laughs) that's good. He says, no, it's just true. Uh, There's certain. Mm. No, let's do it. I'm not going to do it. Get into it. Get into it. (laughs) There's certain. Well, like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I'm so glad you're getting into it. (laughs) Finally. I've been Uh, goading you for the past, like, seven episodes. (laughs) Well, (laughs) take the... So, one, you know, for instance, Scientology, Mm -hmm. right? There's too much evidence for people of a dude who is a science fiction writer um basically just like whole cloth coming up with stuff and that uh, there are obviously a lot of people who believe in scientology but there's a lot of people who have a very hard time believing in it because they're like this dude like clear he was a science fiction writer and these things are not scientifically backed and mm-hmm. like he could have made this stuff up like no one can verify these things um, and the more distance you have from something, the more, the, the diff- more difficult it is to disprove it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, for example, this, which is why we believe that the sun is being carried through the sky in a giant chariot right. and that it's, it's basically in the sun time, it's Ra that's driving the chariot. And at night it's the lioness goddess. I think it's Sikhmet. Sikhmet. That is, uh, guarding the light as it travels around the other side, which, okay. and that's, that's why we believe it today because it happened a longer time ago <laughs> and it's much harder to disprove. You're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's why, I mean, every night I, I thank Ra every morning. Yeah. Every morning. Thank you, Ra. Thank you, Icarus. Hoorah. Now, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of research into like ancient Egyptian gods recently. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. Actually, weirdly enough. I mean, um, it is kind. Of, it's fun. It's yeah, a wild. Bit. I mean, there's some of it. Some of it that is. I am. I, you know, I've been trying to figure out if it's like heretical to have like um, like a statue of like Anubis in our home. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think it's that bad. But the fact that like it's literally you have forty of them just placed so that at any point you can look around and yeah, see no matter Anubis, where you are, Anubis can Anubis see you. can see you. Yeah. Um, the, the six of them that are right, like hanging above your bed, that's the weirdest part for well, me. But they're stuffed. That's true. A little chunky Anubi, Anubi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have the, the like Anubis head taxidermy yeah. in the, in the entryway when you walk in. Like that's, that's kind of cool. That's right. But it's a real human head though. Like where'd you get it? Well, it's a human head with an Anubis mask on it. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little Halloween treat for all the kids that come to yeah. your condo door. That is true. <laughs> you, you buzz them in. True. Who decide to get through the security office and buzz in somehow. Right. And yeah. they're like, their treat, their little prize they get is a little stuffed Anubis head. Oh, Anubis candies. Oh, Anubis candies. Yeah. What, would they, what would the flavor be? Kinder Anubis. Sand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gritty. That's not uh, sand, kid. That's ash. Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, you know, great, do you ever think about like... Great Earl. Oh, yeah. he loved Anubis though. Yeah, he did. Which what, what head did Anubis have? He was the like the the one with the long pointy ears and the snoot. 
But did he did he look like a dog or am I thinking of a different one? He looked like a dog. He looked like a dog. And he's the god of death. I think this is the underworld. Yeah. Underworld dude. Um do you ever think about like how crazy it is that they were able to come up with some of the things they did. So there was a uh, there was an episode I know so the big. Egyptians. Yeah, there was an episode of like stuff you should know a long time ago that talked about like mummification. Hmm. And you know how we like think of mummification as like like this well crafted practice, right? Yeah, By ladies the ladies getting buried with their cats, basically. Yeah. And but like the way they took out the organs and like they were like super organized about it and they knew how to like preserve bodies beautifully and stuff. They did, but they didn't know what the organs did. They did not. No, <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> Um, but they just knew how to take them out and preserve them and all that stuff. But it, yeah, I, I'm not trying to claim any like intelligence. Well, I mean, obviously sure. there's some ingenuity yeah. and stuff and intelligence there, but yeah, they had no idea how any of it worked. But, I think they threw their brain away. Pretty sure. I think they thought the brain was like useless Yeah, and they were like, we got to treasure that heart. But, and they like, they would suction the brain out of the nose, I think. Oh my. Um, anyways, but they, there's like earlier forms of it that we don't talk about too much of like basically botched mummification that they've discovered over the years like people like they this was a learning process that happened over like hundreds maybe thousands of years of people figuring out how to do it right and we think of you know when we think about egyptians we think about this like well-crafted like Mm -hmm. well-honed practice of mummification but there were like all these points before it yeah uh and you i guess my point is more just like you f- you forget about what led up to something when you see the final product, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and we true. do it on, like, a small scale all the time today where it's like, oh, my gosh, that person's so good at that thing. You forget about the 10,000 hours or whatever that they put into it. But, yeah. you know, the Egyptians put 2,000 years into making mummification great and making those sweet Anubis masks. So mm, That's true. Anyways, those are things I think about. <laughs> the end. Cultural history is important. It is. Yeah. So... So you, you think that it's like, at least, so I, I think I land mostly on your side with like new religious movements, Mm -hmm. AKA cults, right? Like, and that's sociologically, like that's what a a cult is. It's it's a new religious movement. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but it also doesn't necessarily have to be a good thing. Right. Hubbard, um, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hubs. Yeah. But, um, like things like Scientology, for example, like the pendulum swings real wide and there's a lot of people on one wide end and a lot, way, 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 way more people at the other. And it, what I think is kind of amazing about something like, you know, Scientology is like, maybe this is true of every religion, but it, it seems maybe with stuff like this, it's like when you hear someone like Tom Cruise, right? Oh, man, he's expensive normal guy (laughs) well but sort of right like i don't know you see him in all these roles and he seems fairly normative and yeah like all of a sudden it's like oh and you're into this like crazy wackadoodle belief system yeah and like i it seems like those sorts of things tend to attract Mm. those sorts of people or maybe or maybe it's just like yeah that's the only person i really know who's gotten into scientology because like super high profile a lot of news about it and that's just how like, there's just like a ton of celebrities in it too yeah. and i i don't really fully understand that aspect of it but um yeah there's got to be a ton of really normal people in it probably relatively speaking i Maybe. guess yeah i don't know actually <laughs> Who knows? uh yeah that's certainly people like him color our yeah. perception of it but like for the the thing like you know thousands of you don't have any egyptian gods being necessarily being worshipped or sacrificed to anymore yeah 
Um, maybe you do, but certainly not. Well, you read American Gods, right? Yeah, uh, that was good. Um, I mean, maybe you do, but but definitely not in like the the um, numbers as like you know the major world religions. Sure, like they've sort of like gone to the wayside. Um, but yeah, it's sad. Sad. It's sad. Yeah, I'm bringing noobs back. I hope so. Let's do it. Yeah, it's so hard you. to say goodbye. <laughs> Peace. This has been. <laughs> point by point you can find us on pointbypodcast.com and um we'll have all the show notes there it's pointbypodcast.com pointbypodcast.com 14 because this is episode 14 it's very exciting and uh yeah find all the info there we'd love to hear from you um contact us we're gonna start doing a segment uh listener questions and feedback called ask point by point um and the uh make sure you visit the facebook page um, more than happy to uh, chat with you there as well. Beautiful. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>